Good day, listeners. Good day, Maggie King. Robinson. Hey, there you are. I am. Nice. I am here. I got that right. Mrs. Wait. Maggie King Robinson. Way to take the note. <laughs> <laughs> I took the note. I took the uh-huh. note and I ran, I ran with it. Um, uh-huh. Great to catch Great to catch back up with you. Uh, we are in the middle of summer. Uh, our, uh, some of our family took a little bit of a trip recently. You have not been taking a trip. That is true. Um, so <laughs> no we, trips here. Yeah. Uh, uh, we, we got to go to Colorado for a little bit and take in some of the sights and scenery and you guys have just been figuring out how to how to live well with a a whole new kind of lifestyle right yeah yeah, i mean pretty much every element is of life is different except for just living together um Mm -hmm. which i'm thankful that we're not navigating that right now too so (laughs) yeah yeah so that is helpful to have that rhythm at least down um while all the other rhythms are not down so <laughs> right right well your house is is, is settled in and and ryan's uh working now and into your groove in Tulsa. probably the biggest challenge for for families and a lot of people who don't know or i didn't know this but when uh first year residents get in they, they're just they're working like 80 90 hours a week it's nuts yeah, yeah. it's if someone told me that before i knew ryan i like just wouldn't believe them I'd be like, no one would do that. Like, why would anyone do that? But here we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that that's the first year, uh, give or take, and then things start to change from there. That's right. That's the deal. Yeah, I think it's a little less rigorous year two and three. The hours aren't better, but I think his experience at the hospital is a little less um, intense, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, change creates discomfort at the very least and chaos more often than not and yeah us uh, and i just appreciate how you guys are are rolling with that we all we all have to, to to keep that in mind that change is constant and and what comes after change is discomfort chaos funk and mm-hmm. that just it just it is it's, it's just real right yeah. yeah yeah always yeah well um talk uh, as we lean into the podcast today one of the things uh, that I, that you and I have in common, and I'm, I, I love that you've given some of your life to this, is that we both have spent quite a bit of time working with young people, with teenagers, either in a ministry context or a teaching context, helping. I mean, like you're doing it right now with with drama, theater, dance, uh, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. Um, but I have a question for for you, and I have my own, my my own answer to this. But why would people like you and I give energy to maybe teenagers or young adults, but not necessarily little kids. Cause they're so cute. They are Why would we not? Cute. They're super cute. Why um, would we not do that? Why would you not do that? Well, for me, <laughs> I, and I've told like bosses I've had in the past, specifically at dance studios who asked mm-hmm. me if I want to do preschool or, you know, that five and six year old age, even, um, and every time I'm like, listen, if you need me to, I will, but it is not my calling. And so mm-hmm. I, I think a big part of that, I like, I really enjoy the nine, 10 and up. And then obviously the teenagers. But I think for me, the thing that gives me energy about working with kids is the relational side, uh-huh. um, like being friends 
I guess, in in a sense. Um, yeah, yeah. Laughing with them and joking with them and um, hearing what they think about things. And I guess I just really also I'm I, well, I just really struggle to find that with like a four year old or a two year old or yeah, a newborn, you know, <laughs> um, so it's not as energizing to me um, specifically, but I will do it if I'm asked. <laughs> well, so the answer that you gave is the answer that I would have given. Mm-hmm. And it is the answer that I get when I interview therapists four out of five times for yeah. jobs. It's like, okay, I have a heart to help people, and I've been made to do that. I have the skills. I, I have the education. I'm wanting – I have maybe I have the experience. And I'm saying, well, hey, what about five-year-olds? Are, can you help us with five-year-olds? Like, well, eh, you know. Well, I mean, that's, that's a little young for me. I hear mm-hmm. that all the time, and, I'm not, and I don't disparage anybody that says that because the, the, the reason why your answer is normal as a helper and why my answer is normal and why those people that come and work with me, why their answer is normal is because it's harder, right? I think so. It's, it's just harder. And the people that have a gift and an inclination to get down on one knee and to give energy in a way that is helpful for a, a preschool child, for a mm-hmm. beautiful little soul is unique mm-hmm. and special. Would you yeah. agree? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen it. Like I know people who just, that is a part of who they are. They just connect with these three, four year olds. And I watch it with like awe. Like I just, it's a beautiful gift and I do not have it, but it's beautiful to watch. Here's the rub. If those of us who are fortunate enough to, to have children in our lives of our own, we're going to work with those little kids. And now mm-hmm. it's different because they're our own, I think. But like the ability to do it well, what I'm discovering as I work with people, you know, in the last couple of decades and have leaned in on the, to the idea of, of being a trauma-informed kinds of therapy and theories that we lean into and practices that we lean into, we, we lean into is that the that brain is so malleable and the stuff that happens the way that we work the way that we work with kids that are infant up to six seven eight little little kid energy and time spent with them might be the most important work that is being done on the face of the earth yeah like it is life altering and life changing so this work that is being done with littles is massive and what is crazy about this thing that I'm bringing up is that we have access to one of the nation's leading voices in attachment, helping kids work through trauma, um, play therapy, education when it comes to preschool littles. And uh, Our guest, her name is Dr. Barbara Sorrells, and she is just an incredible woman, a great friend. And she's going to share with us today um, just kind of her experiences and what it's been like. Are you up for this conversation? Maggie King Robinson. Very up for it. It's awesome. It, it, it is. You've heard it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, so I am ready for it. I was. I, honestly, I was not ready for it originally because I, <laughs> she, she's just so smart. <laughs> so I, it's, 
It was a great listen, though. So I guess the question really would be, are y'all ready for it? As in our listeners. That's right. Uh, Allison's mom, are you up? Are you ready for this? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. My name is Chris King. I'm a licensed therapist. And today, I am stuck in my head. Let's go. Let's roll it. Hi. Hey, how you doing? Can you hear me okay? Yes. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you get yeah. a haircut? A couple weeks ago. I mean, I just I haven't. I just when it's short like this, I just yeah. I pay zero. Like I just I wake up and I don't even look at myself. Like, you just, give no f's, as they say. No, I haven't seen I, you in a couple I'm gonna, weeks. I'm going to cut so. my hair more more often. I like it like 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 that. So you know who doesn't? Ryan Myers. Ryan Myers' hair is slowly but surely getting to the point where I told him no and I don't really have an opinion about a lot of things like that but but also talk about giving no f's Ryan Myers gives no f's about what I think about his his (laughs) hair okay hey guys good day I would like to welcome in esteemed guest and semi-esteemed co-host Esteemed that's guest me. today is Dr. Barbara Sorrells, <laughs> and semi-esteemed uh, co-host is Dr. Allison Shelby. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not a doctor, and that's not my last name, so this is going well so far. Um, we're st- we're starting well, but here's the thing: you're, you're going to really love really about, about how you that finish. At our last podcast. I, I, I started off because Maggie, my daughter, uh, does a little intro with me, and I introduced her as Maggie King, and she got married like three months ago, and she's like, that's not my name, and I literally did that like two weeks ago for Maggie, so I'm just, uh, I got it going. Yeah, yeah it's fine. Well, uh, whatever. If it's, as long as it's mildly respectful, I will answer, so you can call me whatever you want. <laughs> um, well, also, uh, and a running, a little bit of a running gag that we have is that we say that we have dozens, Barbara, we have dozens of listeners, and of the dozens, probably our most vocal fan and potential critic is Judy Shelby, Allison's mom. It's my mother. And so she might uh, like it that I called that I that I called you Allison Shelby. I think she will. She'll just for sure like it that she was mentioned by name again. <laughs> That's what will make her the most hey, happy. Hey, Judy. Hey, mom. Yeah. Back to you, Barbara. Um, <laughs> That's right. Well, but, but before, I do want to say one, one more thing. If you were, if you had an honorary doctorate or a real doctorate, but I'd like the honorary idea of a little more, but more Allison, what would that be in? Yeah. Uh, what would that be in? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Let me think about it. I mean, my gut answer is yeah. counseling. Cause I just want to be a little bit of, better than my husband because he's only got his master's and if i had my doctorate in his same field that would make me laugh yeah. so that's i think let's go with that i think let's go I with that because i know he's he's secure enough to handle that and it's not real so um, it's, 
It's, fine. <laughs> it's not even a thing. Uh, um, today, our guest is Dr. Barbara Sorrells. And uh, Barbara, I am thrilled that you're here because you've been a good friend for many years. And uh, I, I, I want to say briefly how we met. And then I want to, I want you to kind of talk about a little bit about your career, if you don't mind. I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's not a thing, not a big deal. But, but I, for our context of our conversation, it's really helpful. I want, and so um, I, met, I met Barbara, uh, we were working together on staff at Liberty Church. And well, before we even worked together, um, I, Barbara was, uh, Barbara and Bob were parents um, to, uh, their parents to two wonderful women. Now they were girls in high school and stuff. And and uh, I was working with them and, and we just became kindred, you know, kindred spirits. Um, and I was really excited about the work that she was doing that had to do with um, development and attachment and children and helping people uh, work through trauma. And, and her scope has just been kind of enormous, um, particularly helping people in the educational field. And there's a lot we could talk about today. Uh, Barbara, can you uh, welcome and tell us a little bit about kind of what your experience has been? I have a bachelor's degree in early childhood education and um, started out in the classroom. Um, I actually also started two early childhood centers, one in Washington, D.C. and one in Fort Worth, Texas. And um, and so then um, then I got my master's in Christian education from Southwestern Seminary. Um, when we moved to Oklahoma, I um, had always wanted to teach at the university level. So I went back to school, went to OSU and uh, got my doctorate in curriculum and instruction with an emphasis again in early childhood. And um, it was really while I was there at OSU and I was teaching the classroom guidance and management class and supervising teachers where, um, of course, behavioral issues and challenges of teachers um, were the number one concern when I would go out into the classrooms. And so um, I had always had a lot of questions um, and interest in children of trauma because growing up in Washington, D.C., I was very involved in inner city kinds of work and, Mm. um, you know, just, um, you know, saw children who had seen more violence in their four short years than most of us will ever see in a lifetime. And, you know, I was just always very curious about how that impacted them. So I had the good Mm. fortune of meeting uh, Dr. Bruce Perry in 1998 at a conference, and he's probably known as the international guru of child trauma Hmm. and had the opportunity to do some work with him, um, study with him. And uh, also another lady that had a huge impact on me is Dr. Karen Purvis out of uh, Texas Christian University who um, pioneered a process called trust-based relational intervention and so, you know, it was kind of at, I, I got all that training and really kind of dug into that mainly to help teachers. Um, but over the years, it's just kind of grown to where I eventually um, I, I left OSU and started my own nonprofit, uh, Connected Kids, um, to help uh, foster parents, just parents in general. I, I do a lot of training with different agencies, school districts. 
on helping people to understand um, kids who come from hard places, kids who mm. have suffered maltreatment, um, different forms of trauma, and help them understand why do they do what they do mm. and how to help them to bring healing to them. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. One of the things that I've experienced being a therapist in, in, which is what I've done since we got to know each other, and maybe this might be a decent way to to kick off our conversation, is that you talked about this interest and passion and experience trying to help kids that come from hard places, kids that are a part of the foster care system or adopted kids or just kids dealing with poverty, et cetera, Mm. challenges, trauma, et cetera. It's been my experience that well-meaning parents include, and I'm one of those guys, uh, instinctively make it worse. (laughs) Accidentally, instinctively. Instinctively. It's like it's our gut reaction to our kids. (laughs) Now, our kids that are acting out of their gut right yes. right 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 we, we make it we make it worse is that a is that a decent way to kick off our conversation what's your thoughts I, about that right i i would absolutely say that um believe that that um you know it, it we have a tendency as as parents when things start going south we we immediately go to the behavior. What am I going to do to change this kid? What am I going to do to change this child's behavior? Mm. When really it starts with me as the adult. Mm. And, um, and, and I call it relational dis- discipline or connective strategies. I mean, my, my first thought needs to be, um, am I, how am I going to regulate myself? Mm. And I have to be regulated before I'm ever going to be able to um, help regulate a child, or I'm just going to join their chaos and add to it. Totally. And then just completely, um, you know, then we've got <laughs> a big brouhaha going. Yeah. Um, and so it's a very different approach than power and control, mm. um, traditional forms of, of discipline. Mm. Um, well, and, and go ahead, Allison. Yeah. Well, I just, as a parent, but also I, I've thought about this a lot as, as someone who's worked like in youth group settings, you know, as a youth pastor, what we, I think, I think what most people really want is we want to know about what's going on in their heart, but we don't know how to ask for that or say that or affect change at that level. So the easiest thing that we know how to do is to ask for desired behaviors. Well, if you really are healthy, whole, love Jesus, fill in the blank, then you will do this or you won't do this. When all that we're, we're, all that we're doubling down on is behavior modification. And that doesn't necessarily mean anything about what's really going on under, under the surface or at the root or whatever. Right. I, I would agree. I, I think that a, a behavior is a form of communication. Mm. And I think when children are at their most unlovely, it, it's, it's really, a, they don't know how to ask for their needs to be met. So mm. I, I literally ask, act out what I don't have the words to say. 
Yeah. And mm. so we as as the adult have to, in a sense, I say, think like a detective. You know, mm -hmm. the question becomes, what is this child trying to communicate to me? What is the unmet need? What is the misunderstanding? Um, what is this child trying to tell me that he can't put into words? And the more I know about child development, the more I know about trauma, the more lenses I have to look at this behavior and, and put the pieces together to hopefully be able to interpret the message. Mm. And, um, and, and so it's, uh, it's a discovery process, you know, it's, it's, and it's not about what's wrong with you kid, but what, what, yeah. you? you know, what's happened to you. It, when you say child or children, are you referring to a specific age group or. Mm -hmm. No, I would say it, it, it apply. I mean, it applies to adults too. For sure. <laughs> yeah. know? We act out what we don't have the words to say. Right. Um, but I, I think it's just, just human behavior. And I mean, it applies to children of all ages. Sure. Um, and, um, and I have to, you know, my goal is to understand that, seek to understand that child's story. You know, we all, mm. we all come with a story. <laughs> And the more I understand and seek to know, to truly see, hear, and understand that child, the better mm -hmm. able I am to um, be able to truly respond to that child in a way that's helpful instead of just adding to that child's chaos. Mm. I, I'm, I want to push back a little bit, and I'm curious. Of course, you, realize, you probably are thinking my pushback is not sincere, and you'd be right. Um, but, uh, I, I do know this, that, that discipline or having a punitive style in working with children, teenagers, friends, family, yeah, yeah. uh, works. Well, it works in the short term. Or, 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 or does it <laughs> right? Like when, and, and, and what, what have you seen over research? you know, uh, what colleagues or mentors like, a, like a Bruce Perry, you know, what, 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 what is it that you found out about like, like the, the, the short and long-term impacts of these, mm. of, of these relational styles of like, am I, am I really going to, going to lean into relationship when my five-year-old is having a cow, you know, and like, or, right. or when they're like, how it doesn't, it's just not very effective is sometimes I'll hear when parents will come in and be like, Hey, we, <laughs> We're now, we're now, we're, we're our kid's buddy. We've done what you've said yeah. Yeah. and we all, we're all just like buddy, buddy. And they're still like running roughshod over the house. Like, what do we do now? Expert? Like I've heard that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think our goal is um, willing cooperation and not coerced compliance. I mean, I, I can, um, uh, it's, it's and it's again like you said I I want to change that child's heart not just the outward mm -hmm. behavior because I can apply a lot of pressure and threat and coercion and whatever to get you to do what I want you to do in this moment but I have for sure nothing because that yeah. that's disconnecting you know my goal is in any interaction is to hang with that child until and and walk away from that interaction still with an emotional connection, not severing the connection. 
Mm. You know, if I take away, you know, everything that you like um, or spank you and I walk away from that situation when there's a there's an emotional disconnect. Mm. And I want to walk away with a contented child and moving toward change behavior versus um, that child who's resentful, who's outwardly complying, but inwardly resentful and separated from you. Mm. Uh, And so... And, and also, I believe that a relational style goes back, when you look at the word discipline, it comes from the root word disciple. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jesus was the greatest discipler that there was. And basically, what that's about is, come along beside me and let me show you how. Mm-hmm. You know, children need a more regulated brain to regulate. And so it's basically inviting them to, in a sense, borrow your your self-regulation in those moments and help them to contain those big emotions Mm. Um, and and then teaching them new ways of being, Um, um, giving them new strategies. I mean, children learn new behaviors the same way they learn a new skill through modeling guided practice, independent practice, and repetition. And time, right? It feels like that those of us that have been using coercion or or those sorts of styles relationally or parenting, like, don't have any tolerance for the time that it takes to get what we want out of the deal. Well, yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking about all this is like, yeah, that sounds really amazing and really slow. It is. And, it's and we're not a culture that's got a lot of space for slow, are we? No, no. It is a much slower process. Um, but I can say that it's well worth the time invested. Mm. I mean, because our ultimate goal is, you know, when our children leave our, our household and go out and launch into the world to college or whatever, that they have the tools to self-regulate, to manage those big emotions. And that relationship changes to where we're friends, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And I think that's the greatest joy of um, this approach is the ultimate reward of, you know, now my my daughters are, are women, young women, and we just have an amazing relationship. And they're my two favorite people <laughs> and besides my grandkids and <laughs> right. <laughs> and yes. And so it's, it's just, it's been a journey that's well worth it. And of course, filled with lots of mistakes, <laughs> many, many, many opportunities to do what I call air and repair, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because I believe we're not asking parents to be perfect. We're asking them to be authentic. And come on. <laughs> no. Um, and in those moments when you know we lose our temper or we're cranky and we snap back at our child to go back to them and say, hey, you know, that was a little harsh. And I, we call it do-overs. Will you forgive me? And I need a do-over. Mm. Again, you know, I can remember one morning with my youngest daughter, she was the one who gave me the rent for the money. 
Um, That's what I was going to say. It's like, I was, it was interesting that you went to your youngest, Ashley, yes. out of the gate. I just find yeah. that fascinating. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> so I just remember one morning we were at each other's throats before she even got out of bed. And, you know, she was in high school and I was like, okay, stop. We're going to do this again. I need to do yeah. it. You know, and, and and I'm of the generation where we, we used to watch eight millimeter eight millimeter films backwards. Yeah, and we thought that was way more fun than watching them forward. And I was oh, because like, you could see people like running backwards. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That so I was like, yeah. you know, and I walked yeah. out, and backed out her door, and I came back in. And I said, okay, let's try this again, and yeah. we got off like a much better start. Um, but I, I, and, and a lot of parents have a hard time doing that of saying, you know, um, you mean, I admit that I'm wrong, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, but, but you're the one with the power. I mean, like you're, you're, you're right. older, more experienced. I mean, like you have the, the opportunity at your fingertips to actually act that way. Oh, I, I right. know, but it, it You've does, waited your whole life to act a fool. And now, now yes. So, um, so yeah, it's about authenticity and and kids need to learn that relationships can experience ruptures. Mm. And it's not over that we can still come back and repair. Mm. And so that that air and repair is so critical. Um, well, I imagine that's a that great phrase. Yeah. I imagine that there are some parents that could be listening to this and think, well. I blew it. It's our, it's too, I've, I'm thrown in the towel. I'm, I've done too many years this one way. It's too late. Is it too, is it ever too late to, to say, I think I've been doing this wrong. I want to try a different way. No, it's never too late. You know, even with your adult children, you know, Mm. going back and and air and repair, you know, mm-hmm. and in fact, I, I actually went through a week of counseling myself, um, Green Shoe Project in Oklahoma City, and it was um, called post-inductive therapy. And you mm-hmm. kind of go back into your childhood and think about why do I do what I do and process, you know, childhood experiences. And they call it the empty chair where, um, you know, you talk to the empty chair. I called my kids when I got back home and said, you know, I spent the week talking to the empty chair. And I said, hey, you know that you don't have to talk to an empty chair. (laughs) You can talk to me. And, you know, if I've wounded you in some way, and we've had this ongoing conversation and we have had some conversations as they have moved into adulthood. And I said, please remember that, you don't have to go talk to an empty chair if there are mm. things that you need to resolve. And they're in their thirties, you know? Yeah. And um, so it's never too late. Mm. Yeah. It's not, I just, it's such a ridiculously hopeful message. I always, people, people ask me all the time, like, I just, I'm afraid of screwing my kids up. And I'm like, <laughs> same. Hey, it's too late. You did. So look, yeah. can we get that out of the way? Yeah. <laughs> Can we get it out of the way? Can we just say spoiler alert? That's done. That's done. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, what are we going to do now? Right. You know, what yeah. are we going to do now? Right. How are we going to take basically your language, like regulate ourselves? Where control mm. lies? You know, I can't. I can't make another person do anything. You know, and so right. my kids or anyone. And how are we going to operate ourselves because we want this relationship 
desperately right. most most any good parent I've ever known desperately wanted right. a, 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 a sustained relationship with their children. Mm. You know, and well, uh, I th- go ahead. I th- I think in those moments, and you know, and of course, I'm in this particular moment. I'm thinking more of younger children. Um, you know, in those moments when our kids are, you know, going off the rails and having meltdowns, um, my first thought needs to be, how am I going to send signals of safety? Mm. How am I going to change this, this child's behavior? Because, because their brain is offline. I mean, they're pretty much operating out of their brainstem. They're very reactive. And so they're going to be paying a lot more attention to my nonverbal cues, the tone of my voice, my posture, Mm. uh, my facial expressions, um, my eyes, you know, Um, am I glaring at you? Or do I create an inviting presence, a safe presence? Um, Mm. Low and slow, I always say when your child is elevated even posturally you need to get lower i i level or lower and my movements need to not be quick and jerky and fast and Mm. reactive but i have to be very conscious of what my body is communicating i mean that's the first thing and then of course my words you know one of one of my key phrases that can apply to almost anything (laughs) is um and it kind of buys you some time to get your thoughts together is this seems to be really hard for you. Can you help me understand? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that can immediately deflate some of that emotion to at least get to where we can begin to um, have a connection or um, begin to repair the connection and have a conversation. But Mm. my first goal is to regulate you. Because, uh, you, you know, you can't reason or have any kind of reasonable conversation with a child who is super escalated. Mm. Um, and I do. And or, I do or, that, an adult. or an adult. <laughs> or a human being who is super escalated. <laughs> any human being. Rhythm. I, uh, rhythm I, I've been blown away by the power of rhythm. Say um, more. Keep going. Um. Our, our brain organizes around rhythm in utero and, um, and, and it's actually um, rhythm that uh, organize, organizes our brain. You know, we heal the brain in the same way that it develops. So it develops around rhythm, you know, for 24, seven, nine months, that baby is bathed in rhythm um, of the mom's heartbeat and bodily um, functions and such. And, um, and, and so rhythm, our, our regulatory system is highly sensitive to rhythm. So for example, um, I actually walked into a five-year-old classroom in, in Alexandria, Virginia, and there was a five-year-old sitting on the floor screaming his head off. And um, it was at the end of the year. And, you know, you could tell the teachers were just kind of done. My guess is this little guy had given them a right to their money all year. And no one was trying to comfort this child. Um, Some of the other kids would go over and and try to um, pat him on the back. And it would just make him scream louder. So I stood there watching this for a period of several minutes. And I'm like, this little guy's, you know, really 
dysregulated and just in distress. And I didn't have any relationship with him. So, Mm -hmm. so I didn't have that going for me. So I thought I'm going to try rhythm. I'm going to try what I know about low and slow and rhythm. So I literally got down on my hands and knees and I started crawling toward him and I'm watching his face and I'm looking for the stink eye, you know, (laughs) I want to see how close I can get to him before he throws something at me. And so I get about four feet away and I see the stink eye and I'm like, mm. okay, this is as close as you're going to get. And so I just sat down and I started kind of like moving my hands and swaying my body, making sure I'm somewhere around 60 beats a minute. You know, I don't want to be too fast. And within five seconds, that little guy's body starts moving with mine. Huh. About five more seconds into this. I mean, it was amazingly quick. He um, stops screaming, gets up and walks over to the table to do a puzzle. And the teachers are standing there going, what just happened? (laughs) Yeah. What kind of voodoo is this? And it's rhythm. And I can tell you story after story of that happening. Teachers will come back to me and go, it's like magic. (laughs) So it's not magic. It's biology. Um, Even a parent, you know, you've got a teenager standing in front of you. Uh you know, kind of mouthing off or whatever, if you just slowly start swaying back and forth or an irate parent, if you're dealing with parents, Mm. um, you just start slowly swaying back and forth. They will inevitably follow your lead and they'll start swaying. Okay. We're uh, back uh, to press pause on our conversation with Dr. Barbara Sorrells. Maggie King, you've been uh, working, putting our episode together. Ma- Maggie King Robinson, don't be <laughs> You did it in the intro the last time, too. I, just I know. I had it right. Um, <laughs> um, hey, was that not a refreshing conversation? I mean, and yes. I'm, uh, like, look, the, the second part, uh, you, you guys got to just go straight to it. Because when she talks, Allison asks a lot of great questions. But, I mean, like where the rubber meets the road is like how? How do we really help young kids and how do we maybe reverse generational impact that's been negative and get it going in the right way? And, and we deal with that in, in, in our part two. I mean, uh-huh. I mean, like you said, you weren't ready for it at the beginning, and like, <laughs> but, but this woman brings the heat. She does. A, she's just incredible. Yeah. And I think just for me personally, listening to it, I, because I'm a person who loves kids and just Mm -hmm. finds a lot of joy there and a lot of meaning in working with kids um, and power in it. And just, it's so important to me that hearing somebody who loves the version of kids before I, I do, if that makes sense. I just think it's super encouraging that there are people out there who are so good at this. So. Yeah. And, and, and she is such a beacon to help all of us who are parents of young children. Mm-hmm. like the the parents who are listening to this grandparents like we we need to be listening to voices that help us understand what it's like to relationally lead and raise right. children you know yeah so anyway uh we're uh we're gonna be out of here and you guys stay tuned for, for part two maggie king thanks so much maggie king robinson thanks so much uh, you're welcome <laughs> i'll see you for part All right. two see you for part two bye-bye Bye.